بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد المبارك وسلم We are in Surah Al-Qasas Surah number 28 and ayah number 72 71 sorry A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُ مِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ اللَّيْلَ سَرْمَدًا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِضْنِيَاءٍ فَلَا تَسْمَعُونَ As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that He is the supreme creator and He has total authority and His choice in every matter is exclusive and absolute and permanent through that uh, choice the divine prerogative he now grants us many different forms and types of favors when you are in a position of authority and power then as you dictate and dominate you also take care of the people and the beings who are your subordinates. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this to us. That uh, Fir'aun claimed to be Musa's lord, and the Quraysh claimed to be the guardians of uh, the Haram Makkah and, uh, and Kaaba and so on. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing them that his guardianship and his ownership comes with supreme benefits for those who are subordinate to him and also those who are insubordinate to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say to us if you don't wake up for Fajr and that's it, you're doomed. Whether we remain subordinate or insubordinate in this world The affairs of this world are still controlled by the absolute being who is Allah. So his raising us and being our Lord and guardian is indiscriminate in this world. And that is a sign of the absolute being who doesn't need anyone to worship him in order to provide. Whereas the Firaud and Quraysh needed people to be. Uh, subordinate to them, whether by hook or crook. So that's the difference between the creation and the creator. As part of that favor, divine favor, that is indiscriminate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions three types of rahmah. The first one, قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ اللَّيْلَ سَرْمَدٌ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِقِيَائِنَ فَلَا تَسْمَعُونَ Say, O Muhammad Wasallam, do you see that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to make the night for you everlasting until the day of judgment, then who is the God besides Allah who is going to bring you light? فَلَا تَسْمَعُونَ Don't you hear? So if it's continuous night, and no day, then can you say that you have total authority over the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, the, uh, the 
in such a way that you can now produce light, which is natural light. You can produce this. That's not natural. Don't you hear? That's number one. Number two. قُلْ أَرَّعَيْتُ مِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهَ عَلَيْكُمُ النَّهَارُ سَرْمَدٍ إِلَىٰ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِلَيْلٍ تَسْكُنُونَ فِيهِ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ Say, O Muhammad Wasallam, if you were seen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make for you the day everlasting until the day of judgment, then who is there as a God besides Allah? to bring you a night in which you can rest. Don't you see? Meaning you don't. So, the regulation of night and day, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls that phenomenon, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the rules of the universe to the uh, souls that reside within the elements. They observe Allah's command, and they do whatever Allah wants them to do, as opposed to you. You don't do anything that Allah wants you to do. But still, He does not do this simply because He is a dictator. He does this as a favor to you. So now, night and day, night will bring sukoon, and day will bring you the ability to go out and earn and live on earth. So this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this nidham. So this nidham and this system is created and regulated by the divine authority, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you believe that there's another divine authority, then how would you function in this world if this was not done for you beforehand? So, Fir'aun could not do that, and the Quraysh could not do that. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this. So, in the issue of the night being forever, you can only hear. That's why at the end of that ayah, don't you hear? And in the issue where the day is forever, then you'll see. That's why at the end of this ayah, 72, don't you see? So using your sense perception to understand the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a feature of the Qur'an as a theme. So use your ears and your eyesight to understand the glory and the might and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is how the Qur'an now addresses His might, authority and divine prerogative. The divine prerogative brings down rahmah. And it does not bring down condemnation and curse simply because God is a tyrant and oppressive ruler. If that was the case, then you wouldn't be born, number one. And number two, you would be alive. And number three, you wouldn't be able to access this ability of yours to do what you do in this world. That is now how the divine authority works for you in this world. Don't you see and don't you hear? Meaning we should see and we should hear all of these ayat, these signs and proofs and evidences that Allah has prayed for us for our benefit.
This is how the Quran now informs the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that in the story of Musa and Fir'aun and in the story of you and the Quraysh there is this lesson that no one rules except Allah because only Allah rules absolutely and indiscriminately in this world. People in this world do not rule indiscriminately otherwise they would not be ruling. <laughs> if you have power and authority then you will regulate in such a way that those who are insubordinate to you you either fire them or you make life very difficult for them or if you're a government you'll just kill them, it's easier. That's how you maintain your authority and your prerogative. Whereas Allah doesn't need to do this. He's independent of people being subordinate or insubordinate to him in this world. And then on the Day of Judgment, it will be another process, another nidal, another system. So separate the two. وَمِن رَحْمَتِهِ جَعَلَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ لِتَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ وَلِتَبْتَغُوا مِن فَضْلِهِ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ And it is from His Rahmah, which is through the divine prerogative and the divine authority over you, that He has made for you night and day, so that you may live in it, find sukoon in it, and also you may seek from Allah's fadl, meaning your risk, in it, and so that you may give thanks. It's a very mundane, now divine uh, gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created for us so that we may benefit from His hospitality and so that we may give sugar and thanks to Him. So this ability for you to provide for yourself and your family and for others is a result of night and day being the way they are. And you don't control night and day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. And there's no force on earth that will say otherwise. If you mess and tamper with what Allah has created in the macro sense, and sometimes even in the micro sense, you'll be disturbing the balance of creation, and everything on earth will become out of sync, and there'll be nothing left except pollution and corruption. Right? You will destroy the ecology and you will destroy people, one or the other or both. So we, Allah subhanahu wa is saying that He wants people to benefit, but He also wants them to give thanks and make shukr. Shukr is the root for a person's love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you see this as divine providence, that he has created the, uh, your, the, your ambience and your setting, geographical and uh, your climatical setting in such a way that you're able to do what it is you do. Okay? And once you do that, then you give thanks. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that, and that use your ears and your eyes so that you acquire knowledge of how the world works and how you work and how Allah subhanahu wa has provided this for you so that the ultimate purpose of knowing is shukr giving thanks to Allah the ultimate purpose of knowing is not knowing or exploiting it is to be a servant of Allah subhanahu which is mentioned throughout the Quran so your impairable uh, ability to understand data and phenomena 
should lead you to worshipping Allah and should not lead you to rejecting Him and to rebel against Him and to exploit other people. This is how now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Sahaba and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu that whatever you do, if you are in the mode and mood of seeking knowledge and acquiring abilities and skills by which you are able to control others, make sure you don't exploit them and make sure you don't become a rebel against God. Because if you do this, and then on the day of judgment, you'll be called out as a rebel. On the day when he will call them, and then he will say, Where are those partners of mine that you assumed were partners in my divinity, in my authority, in my prerogative? They will be non-existent. Although they'll be there, they won't be able to say anything, and they will not be able to speak for themselves. So this is how Allah is now leading everybody to understanding the result of shukr is that you will not be embarrassed by Allah on the Day of Judgment and the result of arrogance and non-compliance is that you will be embarrassed. But on that day it will be in front of everyone the ultimate humiliation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an that is a disgrace that the Prophet and the Qur'an also tells us to seek refuge from do not humiliate us, embarrass us on the day of judgment. So dua from the Quran, so in many hadith of the Prophet. So if you have authority, then make sure that your authority does not disgrace you. And the way you do that in this world is by covering up your mistakes and by killing competition. Getting rid of competition. Allah says, your only competition is against me and you won't survive on the Day of Judgment. You'll get away with what you get away with in the name of power and authority here, but on the Day of Judgment you will be exposed naked and uh, you will not find a place where you can hide neither from me nor the angels nor from other human beings and especially not from those whom you exploited. The lesson of ethics. This is the ethics in our theology. So we'll bring forth and take out from every nation and community a witness that this will be this community's witness and this community's witness. Everybody will have someone testify for them and against them, and they will not be able to refute that testimony through any evidence. So the Qur'an then says, We will then say, bring your evidence against this testimony, and they will not be able to do so. They realize with certainty that the truth is only for Allah. Whatever Allah says and does is the truth, as what He did on earth was also the truth. Likewise, the truth is exposed and revealed here. And whatever they invented will lead them astray, even on that day. 
as they were led astray by their hallucinations and their ideas of authority and rule and the ideas of uh, glory and assuming divinity, in this world, likewise in the other world, they will be led astray and they will be disappointed because everything they will bring on the Day of Judgment will disown them. This is now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really uh, telling human beings in general and Muslims also that be careful. Uh, when you seek authority, be careful that your authority does not lead you to exploitation and lead you to a state of kufr, which is rejecting the ni'am of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sense that he has already provided you the stage upon which you perform. If Allah didn't provide for you night and day, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, you would not be able to do anything. So don't assume that you are God because you're not. If you didn't have this stage, where would you be? You'd be out in limbo somewhere in La La Land, in another world, and you would not exist. The mere fact that he allows you to exist and he brought you into existence here with everything provided for you beforehand is a sign that you're not God. So don't interfere with Allah subhanahu wa authority at the aqidah level and at the ethical level. Make shukr. Be grateful. So that shukr entails that you respect Tawheed, you respect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his lordship, training you so that you remain firm in your conviction that only Allah is God and only Allah is the one who we can worship. This is how the Quran now brings everything back to Allah. So now in the, 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 against the backdrop of the Prophet seerah, when this ayah or these ayat were revealed, it made a tremendous sense to the Prophet and the Sahaba where they were being exploited and persecuted by the Quraysh, who assumed that since they were taking care of the Kaaba, they were God and they were in power and they were in authority. And all the tribes kind of hovered around them, made tawaf around the Quraysh, as they made tawaf around the Kaaba. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reassuring the Prophet sallam, that they have no authority. Okay. Their makeshift authority is on the back of Allah's ni'mah, which is the world itself. If you remove the world and the nizam of the world, where will they be? They don't control the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the world and He controls it. So this is up to this point where people assume authority because of political and military might, and sometimes economic might and power. So the next story is also fascinating because it is about a person who assumed authority because of financial might and power. So you had Fir'aun and Haman. Fir'aun being the great uh, ruler and leader uh, from the powerful dynasty of the Egyptian rulers, the pharaohs. And his now right-hand man Haman, the great builder and the great engineer who also controlled and uh, uh, dictated the lives of people at that time. And now uh, you have another person. This other person is a Muslim. Right? 
and this other person never claimed to be God, and this other person never had any political, governmental authority over people. But when you read this story, you see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rule is always universal. Indeed, Qarun was from the people of Musa. Qarun is the name of a figure, a real person, okay, who was there with the Banu Israel. And with Musa, السلام, he was from the same tribal uh, family. But he uh, rebelled against him. Okay. He rebelled against all of them and he exploited them because he had money. Okay. If we think we have money today, then listen to the following. <laughs> That we gave him, Allah is that, we gave him, he didn't earn it. What he earned was on the back of this dunya, night and day. Within night and day, he earned. Who gave him night and day? We did. So we gave him treasures, gnus. How much? That if you were to lift the keys to his treasures, you would not be able to do so except with the champions who are strong men. People who are strong men will be able to lift the keys to his treasures. Never mind the treasure. Just the keys. So how much money do you think Allah gave you? Real hard assets. I don't pay for money, you know, plastic. Hard assets. Gold, silver, livestock, what have you. He had everything. Ma in the mafatihahu, such that its keys, latanu'u bil usba, ulil quwa, that they could only be carried by people of tremendous strength, not just your ordinary average person on the road, but these were very physical capable human beings who could lift very, very heavy objects. So the keys to his treasures were lifted and carried by strong men. So how many keys do you think he had? And to which treasure and so on. This is the Qur'an's description of saying to human beings everywhere in the world at that time, meaning the Quraysh, and also today, to everybody else who think they are billionaires and trillionaires, May I think again. <laughs> you have nothing compared to what Qarun <coughs> Absolutely nothing. Anyway, Ulul Quwa. So why did he transgress uh, and rebel against them? Because of this wealth. Okay, so wealth makes you intoxicated as power makes you intoxicated. So he's now intoxicated by his wealth. So remember the time, O Muhammad that when his people said to him, knowing that his approach and attitude towards life is abominable. 
is diabolical. La tafrah. Don't be arrogant and show your pride with this gait that makes you happy and gloat. Inna Allah la yuhibbul farihin. Allah subhanahu does not love those people who do this. The fact that you have wealth, that is a ni'mah. The fact that you now look down upon others is not a ni'mah. There's no sugar there. Having wealth is good. Having the arrogance that comes with it, that's not good. Allah doesn't like that. So Allah gave you the keys to your treasures and the treasures, but He wants you to make sugar and not to be this proud that you disdain others and you look down at others with scorn and pride and you say, these people are nothing. Allah doesn't love that. So now it's from this we know that He is a Muslim. In Allah la the issue of loving Allah comes. I mean, divine providence in the form of wealth and luxury and good living, uh, all Muslims, especially in this country, mashallah, see it is what? Ni'mah. Well, what's the catch? Don't be intoxicated that you don't see other human beings as human beings. Make sure the sun is still up there and the ground is still down there. Otherwise, you'll be roaming around like a drunkard, assuming that the sun is there and the earth is over there on top. This type of uh, happiness and joy, which comes on the back of arrogance, is detested. The happiness and joy that comes on the back of humbleness is appreciated by the Qur'an. قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَٰلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُ Say, because of Allah's fadl and His rahmah, then be happy. Rejoice when you see the fadl of Allah and the rahmah of Allah in the form of the Qur'an and the Prophet Then be happy with that. Right? Here, this happiness is a result of arrogance where that happiness is a result of sugar and humbleness in front of Allah. So you must differentiate between that. So Allah is not saying be miserable. <laughs> hey, the Quran says to Qarun, la tafrah. Uh, remain miserable. No, no, no. We're not saying that. Is it? We're saying that don't look at others with pride in such a way that when you disdain uh, them and you look at them with this disdain, then make sure that you are not happy when you see them as lower than you. That, Allah doesn't like. Stay away from it. And when Allah doesn't like that, then it will take away the, the previous ni'mah, which is your money. Yeah, you will be made to eat the humble pie which you have cooked yourself. Yeah. That's just how life is in this world also. No one likes someone who is that arrogant and rude, obnoxious, anywhere in the world. You can't get away with that in society. So now, that's why the Qur'an says, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ قَوْمُهُ We didn't say this. Who said this? Society told him. So even in a human society, the norm is, uh, this guy is whatever. All the mashallah terms that come to us, with this kind of person, they come to us. 
We don't like such people. As a human civilization, we don't like people who claim that they're God because of money. Then his qawm, who believes in Musa salam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they address him. Okay? Meaning that this is a social order for you Muslims also. That when you see somebody now frolicking in their success, then bring him down to earth and say, he is not just yours, it's from Allah. As a society you must do this, not just as individuals. No, it's your responsibility because this cancer will spread like wildfire if you don't take care of it. So Musa training of his people is now apparent here. Qawmu, his, his society, his people, now engaged in al-amru bil-ma'ruf wa-nahi al-munkar, in joining the good and prohibiting the evil. So, in our communities today, in the USA, we have many social vices, and people should speak out socially that this is wrong. If you don't do that, then as the Prophet said, You'll all drown. You're all in the same boat. So don't say, mind your own business. This is my business. If I don't say this, then I'll drown. And Allah will not spare me on the Day of Judgment. So this is now the command to the Prophet Also, through the story of Qarun and to the Sahaba, that one day when you have the treasures of the world in your hands, Make sure you have a society that keeps you in check and balance. If you don't, you'll drown. And that is what happened. Right? In our esteemed, glorious history, this came. The dunya came. Nobody had any means of checks and balance. And then we drowned. And we've been suffering since. You must speak against lavish living and lavish extravagance because the Quran says these are the agents of the devil ikhwan shayateen in the mubaddireen kanu ikhwan shayateen these people who spend extravagantly and lavishly because they can then they are the brothers of devils they're not even human beings they're just devils <laughs> greed has killed America, that's an understatement over the past 10 years. Why people didn't speak out against it until we all suffered, still suffering. Then what do you do? So that these are four prescriptions that the people of Musa gives to their own person, Qarun, that you must lead your life in this way. This is your approach, your attitude, your philosophy, this is your world vision. What is that? Seek whatever has given you, okay? meaning for the hereafter. Whatever Allah has provided you with, ni'am, inamad, blessings and providence, you must use that to seek the akhirah, meaning seek jannah with that ni'mah. 
that is the ultimate purpose of what Allah has given you. So if He's given you more or less, it's the same purpose. Seek the Akhirah, which is Jannah. Number one. Number two, what about the dunya? Don't forget your share of the dunya either. Don't live like a pauper if Allah has given you. Don't become a beggar if Allah has given you. Be, remain independent and have your self, uh, your dignity and your pride and your honor. Okay, have your izzat and nafs with you. So now show that you have enough of the dunya that you're not in need of anyone else's attention nor help so rich people they need people's attention so Allah makes them dependent by making them financially independent is a curse right if there's a rich man if he's a miser that's a different thing <laughs> and this is what the Quran is saying don't be a miser but if you're a miser uh, then no one will talk to you anyway. You're branded as a miser. You're bakhil. That's the end of the story. That's also a curse. But if you're rich and you spend, then the only way you'll spend is people give you attention and credit for your spending and for your wealth. So Allah is saying through the words of the Banu Israel, the people of Musa, that look, your attention is with Allah and you should not seek attention from people because you don't need that attention. You're already rich. You are ghani, as the Prophet ﷺ said, in the ghina ghina al-qalb, that the best form of uh, ghina and independence is the independence of the heart, of the mind, of the conscience, of you, that whether I have this much or that much, I'm not in need of anyone else's attention. I'm independent of that because I'm seeking the akhirah. If you seek the dunya, then you're always confined by the shackles of the dunya, and you are held hostage by your own insecurity. And then be kind and generous the way Allah has been kind and generous to you. Okay, so Allah is kind and generous to you, so you show that ihsan. Not for the sake of seeking attention from the poor and needy, but for the sake that Allah has given you. Right, so now your sincerity and your ikhlas comes into play also. Uh, this is the way uh, that Musa salam, trained his people. You understand? Uh, the Musa salam, was not always there to do what? Tell Firaun that he's a liar. When he wasn't there in the palace, what was he doing? He was doing this, raising his community. So he was the effective lord of his community. But when you are given lordship, rububiyya, over people through prophethood, you don't exploit them. Okay? You train them in such a way that they end up in Jannah. That's your rububiyya, otherwise known as tarbiya or tazkiyya. Right? So now, people are given authority over people, either by force or inheritance, or they're given authority over people through wahi. If you are given authority over people through wahi, then you make them into human beings first. You don't exploit them. You change them into human beings first. Which was the sermon that Ja'afar 
gave to Najashi. That we were inhuman animals. A prophet came, Allah sent us a prophet, and he made us into humans. What else can you say about a Nabi? Nothing. So this is what Musa is doing. Understand the, the backdrop. His people said, how did his people who were raised by Firam come to this insight and wisdom? It was through Musa. So the Prophet has been reassured. Train the Sahaba, then your Sahaba will not end up like Qarun. Allah gave them plenty. Right? During the time of Umar and Uthman and Ali, plenty of money. The money came and came and came. So much money came. But the truth is, the Muslim community and civilization accepted this as a rule of life, as their worldview. And that's why they succeeded for <coughs> over a millennium, because that training and discipline was always there. So this is the third now uh, practice. The fourth one, don't seek corruption on earth. Don't destroy the lives of human beings. Don't use your financial power and clout to dictate the lives of the human beings in such a way that you are now oppressing them. Indeed, Allah doesn't love those who are causing facade and corruption. So the language that... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses to condemn people who believe in him or who want to believe in him is always constructed in the Qur'an with this, uh, this, this immaculate wording. La yuhibbu. Allah doesn't love. Yeah? Allah doesn't love. Why is that so necessary? Allah is Allah. He can say that I, I hate you. Why do you say la yuhibbu? You understand the language? So Musa alayhi salam, Harun, when they went, Allah said to them, فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا Speak to him gently and softly. He's a tyrant, he's a oppressor, he's a dictator, he's ruthless, uh, everything. But when you speak to him, then speak to him, لَيِّنًا Softly. What he's doing is outrageous, he's diabolical, he, he's a devil, no doubt. But when you speak, you show your nobility, in speech, not to condone what he's saying, to show him this is where human beings behave. When they speak to each other, this is normal interaction between human beings, that you have a protocol. Right? So the vicious, violent language uh, that m- m- many people tend to use when they are accusing others of kufr and shirk and sin is not within the Quranic style of conversation. There's a protocol. Stay within that protocol of the Anbiya, the Prophets, and now, through the words of the people of Musa, this is the way you talk. Behave yourselves. Yes, what they're doing is not at all acceptable, but what we are doing is trying to tell you through divine mercy and providence that Allah doesn't love you. Right. So when you say to somebody who's worshipping Allah, who wants to worship God and who wants to be close to God, yeah, I believe that God doesn't love you. That's a terrible insult. But it's a nice way. You package it with soft words, not with 
aggressive, foul, vulgar words, soft words. He made this point and he said that when the Quraysh heard from the Prophet the Quraysh believed what? They were close to God. And their religion was the best. So if the Prophet went with the straw that broke the camel's back and said, Allah, he doesn't love you. Right? That's the gentle, polite <coughs> way of killing the snake without breaking the stick. Right? It's amazing balagha that the Qur'an has, this eloquence, the inimitability of the words of the Qur'an must be understood through the beauty of how the Sahaba and the ulama after them understood the Qur'an. And this is why, why that if you're going to Umar when he went to Jerusalem, he saw a monk. Uh, uh, he was worshipping, <coughs> dedicated to worship, very enclosed, small, claustrophobic place. And uh, he asked people, who is this? What's he doing? He said, he worships God day and night. And he's confined to that space. And he barely eats. He doesn't sleep. That's all he does. He's devoted. He looked at them and he quoted an ayah from the Quran, Aamilatun Nasiba. That people who work and they're fatigued because of their work, uh, yet they don't become an inch closer to God. That's the, the words he added after the ayah. Uh, that had an impact on that person. He said, I'm doing all this work and I'm not close to God. So something wrong with me. <laughs> right. So when you go out in the, the world community and you tell the Muslims, you can do whatever you want, but God doesn't love you. You're not doing God's work, Allah. You're not understanding God doesn't love you. Right. That's a very civilized way of saying whatever you say. <laughs> Other words. But this is the approach. That people who assume that they're close to God and they have God's providence with them and then all of a sudden somebody came, comes in a very nice, polite, gentle way and says, God doesn't love you. Then you kill the beast. Surgical precision without hurting the patient at all. Physically. But you've killed the disease, and that is kufr and shirk. Here, the disease is arrogance and farah, which is unjustified. Inna Allah la yuhibbul mufsideen. O Qarun, you think this is God's Rahman, you? Think again. Allah doesn't love you, because what you are doing is that you're causing commotion, corruption in the land by using your wealth against human beings. And we don't want you to do that as a community as a civilization. We'll stop here. The rest of the story will continue, inshallah, the next time we meet. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi. Nashukullah, ilaha illa, anta nastaghfiruk, matabu, subhanallah.